When you wake up in the morning and stand in front of the mirror, how do you feel about the image that you see? What do you say to your own reflection? Is it a positive, confident conversation with yourself? Or is it something else? Your mind, body, and soul, what are they saying about who you are? And how is it different from what the world is telling you? Are they all working together to create an image and lifestyle that you're happy with? Let's have a heart and soul conversation. You're listening to Heart and Soul, a podcast from the Iglesia Cristo Church of Christ. I'm your host, Martin Zerudo, and I'll be interviewing young adults from across the world who are living Christian lives, but are also dealing with real world problems. This is Heart and Soul. Welcome to Heart and Soul. My name is Martin Zerudo, and today we'll be talking about loving your body and being healthy in mind, body, and soul. Our first guest today is Allison Pablo, an 18-year-old from San Francisco, California. Allison has struggled with acne and her weight since an early age and has joined us today to talk about what she did to overcome some forms of bullying in her past, her self-esteem issues when it comes to her skin, and how a new diet and mindset has helped her not only cope, but respect the body that God gave her. Hello, Allison. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How about you? Very good. Now, uh, our second guest today is Dr. Darwin Bison. Dr. Bison is a psychologist from the United Kingdom and is here today to provide insight on body image, the effects it has on the mental health of youth today, and how society has affected their perception of what it means to be healthy and beautiful. Hello, Dr. Bison or Darwin. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Uh, Very good. Thank you again for joining us. I know the time delay. We're in three different time zones right now, and you're kind of coping with the latest hour. So thank you so much for joining us. And our third guest today is Lauren Femme. Tegan. Lauren is a graduate of dietetics and food administration with an option in nutrition and dietetics from Irvine, California. She is here today to shed some light on diet, the food we eat, and how it can affect our bodies both in the short term and in the long term. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. We also have June Gopez from California. He's 26 years old, an assistant lab manager in a pharmaceutical research lab. And, uh, you know, as a young child, he struggled with his weight all his life and has joined us today to talk about how he took control of his diet, his weight, and his life. Hello, June. How are you? Hi, Martin. I'm good. Uh, Thank you for having me on here. Last but not least, now that we have our body and mind experts onto the soul, we have joining us today, Minister of the Gospel, Brother Richie Watko, a show favorite of ours. And it's a perfect topic to explore a side of you, Brother Richie, that maybe not a lot of our audience know about unless they've met you firsthand. Brother Richie actually lives a very healthy and active lifestyle, and we can't wait to hear how our faith and the teachings in the Bible contribute to a positive body image and a healthy way of life. Hello, Brother Richie. How are you both? How are you, Brother Martin? Thank you once again for having us all on this episode. And it seems like a very interesting topic this time. Definitely. Let's get right into it. A couple of weeks ago, we posted something on our Instagram account. Follow us, hashtag Heart and Soul Conversations. And we asked our audience, how do you feel about your body? Do you love your body? Here's a clip from one of our listeners talking about how she feels. My body and I have a love-hate relationship. It's a struggle to maintain and... It's something that definitely needs lots of love, but not too much love, you know, like sweets, (laughs) because for me, that's my weakness, sweets. But you know, I know what I need to improve on. It's just a matter of committing myself to making things happen in order to get to a healthier me. I'd like to start with uh, Darwin. Uh, Dr. Bison, when people say they have a love-hate relationship with their bodies, what exactly are they saying about themselves? 
Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's probably useful at this point to kind of remind ourselves um, that body image is defined as, certainly from a psychological point of view, uh, about our thoughts and feelings, about the way we look, the way our body functions, which can include you know, how we think uh, and feel about our weight, shape, skin color, appearance. So when I hear someone say they have a love-hate relationship with their body, I mean, what that suggests is the person, certainly the person who, who gave that account, is highly preoccupied and even anxious about their, their body image. And this level of preoccupation can become a problem as it, as it leads us to you know, constantly monitoring and evaluating our body image against you know, standards that are difficult I suppose to attain from for most of us normal human beings. So that that's something that I've you know that I pick up from that statement of you know having a love hate relationship. You know, it's your body image is that critical, it's that important to you that it elicits such strong strong feelings. Definitely. And it's not limited to that one person. Uh, this study that you provided us, 60% of adults in the UK reported that they feel ashamed of the way that they look. Is, are you surprised at that number of, of people who are have such negative views of, of their body? I mean, it's a huge proportion, isn't it? I mean, when you think 60% of people, that's, if we were to think about it, that's more than half of the people that we know. It does surprise me on one hand. On, on the other hand, I, I guess it's uh, something that is to be expected given the amount of scrutiny and the way the body is portrayed in the media as well. I think that that's uh, it's very difficult to to not pay attention to to body image and to to that scrutiny specifically with regards to women. A study from uh, Dove uh, research study: only four percent of women around the world actually consider themselves beautiful. Now I want to go to Allison. You know, Allison, as a young woman, when you hear those numbers, sixty percent in the UK, they're not happy. They're ashamed with how they look. Four percent around the world—that's billions of women. Only four percent of them feel beautiful. How does that make you feel when you hear that number? And and have you ever do you relate to that feeling of you know what? I don't think I'm beautiful. You know, hearing that, especially those numbers where 60% is more than half of, you know, um, of the population, it's really, really upsetting because, I mean, no one really teaches you about, you know, how to love yourself. No one teaches you about this mental relationship that you should have with yourself. So, you know, no one really knows the right way or the wrong way, if there is the right or wrong way. But the fact that it affects, you know, billions of people or women like me, I can definitely relate to that. And I feel like I am, you know, I have my days, but definitely at one point in my life, I was a part of that 4% of the women around the world who don't find themselves beautiful because there's a lot of standards, beauty standards, especially in our society nowadays that contribute to that. And it's it's unfortunate, but you know, that that's really just the truth. And that's what the world has come to, unfortunately. Definitely. Growing up, was there an instance either in the classroom, you know, that feeling of standard comparing yourselves with maybe the other girls in school? Is there a, an instance where you felt beside your peers like, oh, man, am, am I supposed to look that way? Is there something wrong with me if we don't look the same? Yeah, definitely. Uh, when you when you brought that up, I immediately thought of, you know, it wasn't only in school, but it was also outside of school. Like sometimes at church, a lot of my friends would borrow each other's clothes because, you know, they're all kind of around the same size and I couldn't borrow any of their clothes. And it, it was hard for me to understand. But at the same time, it was like, oh, OK, it was just something I had to accept in the moment. But, you know, being I want to say seven, seven or eight, maybe even six, 
you, you don't really know much, right? You, you just know that, oh, I can't fit my friend's clothes, but these are really, really nice clothes, but I can't fit them. It's not like, it, it, was, it was just a huge comparison game that I've probably dealt with all throughout elementary school, middle school, and up until high school. And I think even still to this day, but definitely when I was younger, it was a whole, it, it was always competition of, you know, why can't I fit my friend's clothes? Why can't I fit this size? Why can't I fit these really, really nice clothes? It was just always, always a game. When it came to your teachers, did you ever reach out to them, let them know how you're thinking? Did any of them, you know, maybe inadvertently reinforce that mentality that, you know, some of you guys don't look the same? Yeah, I think it's, it's even sadder to say, but a lot of those kind of situations happen probably around elementary and middle school, especially my PE teachers. <laughs> those were really the hardest. I'm in eighth grade. My PE teacher at the time, he looked directly at me and said, the heavier weight class. This was during like wrestling. And I was so scared for this because like, man, there's no girls who are like my size. No one I can really wrestle um, so I'm not even going to do wrestling, but I just remember how much it hurt me when he looked directly into my eyes and said heavier weight class and put me in that group. And I just remember dwelling on it for a really, really long time. And I mean, I still really, really remember that. And it, it, it hurts, but I kind of laugh about it now because it's like, why was I so upset about it? But I think it was the fact that it came from someone who... I guess I looked up to who I relied on, who I had a lot of trust in, who was like my teacher. So I think that's what hurt more of rather than what he said to me. And June, you know, somebody who also went through something similar, was there an instance either in your childhood or growing up in your teens where you kind of looked at yourself and, and compared yourself to others and thought negatively about how you looked? I think it's funny that Sister Allison mentioned wrestling and being separated in PE class by weight because that something similar actually happened to me, not necessarily that the teacher necessarily targeted uh, me or singled me out, but we were told to organize ourselves by weight. And that was something that I, I tended to, I guess I was in denial about it. Oh, the number doesn't matter that much. But then when it was brought up, I was like, oh, that's not what I expected. And I, I feel I feel ashamed because of that number and because of how I feel and how I look. So it was definitely not the most pleasant experience then. Dr. Bison, when you hear that these two accounts, kids growing up, not really being facilitated mentally in terms of how they're supposed to look at themselves, you know, in what ways do you feel like the school system, maybe some of the teachers, what should be able to help in that regard? I think there is a, there's a problem with awareness, I think, of the impact of what people say, not just in schools, but I think, you know, even kind of culturally, we, we, we tend to say throwaway comments about an appearance. You know, we, we, we kind of freely comment about people's weight, about, you know, people's skin color and, and, and not realizing the impact of, of that and how we are, I suppose, perpetuating some of these the insecurities that people already feel. I think some awareness needs to be developed about how we inadvertently just perpetuate these, you know, the stigma of our body image. Of what people are supposed to look like. Absolutely. Brother Richie, you know, as a minister of the gospel, when you hear that there's so many youth, whether they're part of the church or not part of the Church of Christ, that are suffering in silence, whether it's because of a lack of awareness, a lack of support, is there anything in terms of, of the Bible or, or teachings that we can kind of rely on to know that we're not suffering in silence or we don't have to? I did have one observation, you know, before I, we, we get to that question. Because when you were reading the stats, the way I looked at it, because I think we're very grateful that we do have some that want to share their, their struggles. And 
many times when one is is going through that, they feel alone. You know, they feel by themselves. What Dr. Darwin, he mentioned that psychologically, it really is the, it's the thoughts that one has about their situation. All right. So the feelings that they have in many times when it comes to uh, an image, what happens is naturally people compare themselves to others. It's not only the people physically around you. It is, you know, not only printed magazines you could see on the internet. So now you have such a bigger scale of comparing yourself. But the statistics, which was uh, read to us earlier, it shows that it's common. So it's not something that is isolated, that, you know, I'm, I'm the only one that's like that. In fact, from what we read, most people are like that, right? Most people feel that. So it is not, not that I'm saying it's not a problem. It's actually something that is more common, more common of a problem than we actually might have known before seeing those statistics. So what is it that we can do to, to help? Again, as Dr. Darwin said, get education, you know, be aware. Find out how is it that I'll be able to find some medium between is there something that I need to change or is there something that, you know, needs to just change maybe uh, mentally, you know, uh, my feelings need to change. Is it my body that actually has to change? So there's something that we can find out, you know, where is it that uh, one can focus on to make them content, make them happy, make them peaceful, you know, with the situation that they're in. Now, in, in terms of uh, image, right, does the Bible have anything to say with the image of, of a person? Well, we'll start off right there in the beginning, just to answer that question. Here in Genesis, the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So in terms of image, when the Bible makes mention, is there an image, an ideal image? Here it says that God created man in his own image. Now, I do want to preface, someone might think, is it the way that we look? Because physically, we cannot be the image of God. Because in the Bible, 1 Timothy 1.17, God is invisible. We're not talking about a physical image. What is this image that we should be like God? If we read in Ephesians 4.24, it's in righteousness, it's in holiness, it is in, in, in love. So that is how we should be. God says, I'm holy, therefore you should be holy. So that is where we should start. You know, it says our feelings, our thoughts, and that will give us some basis, some direction. In terms of the body, does the Bible have an instruction? Because if we have to be, if our image should be like that, we should be righteous, we should be holy, we should make sure that we live properly, then we're going to follow God's instructions. Does he have an instruction in terms of our physical image? I'll read here in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, May the God who gives us peace make you holy in every way and keep your whole being. All right, so this whole being, what is the whole being? It's spirit, soul, and body. So what is it that we should do to keep our whole being, spirit, soul, and body? It says, keep your whole being free from every fault at the coming out of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is an instruction. There is even our physical body. Make sure we keep it free from any fault. That will give us some, some guidelines of our image, how we should think of it, what we should do with it physically, psychologically. 
And, you know, hopefully if we're able to hold that, then, then we will find that peace, you know, we'll be content. We'll, we'll know that, okay, this is how, this is how it's supposed to be. Definitely. And, and those verses tie into exactly some of the things that, like you said, Brother Richie, that Dr. Darwin was saying, and that we wish a lot of people knew today that there actually is a guideline. There are, there are scripture to kind of point you in the direction of where you want to go. Because unfortunately, there is a lot of people, not only are they suffering in silence, but it kind of leads to certain things where instead of trying to do something good, they end up doing something bad. I'll point to another study. Approximately 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies and resort to dieting to achieve their ideal body shape. Now, I want to go to, to Lauren, as someone who's taken nutrition, has worked in the nutrition field. Dieting, what role does diet play in a positive body image and our overall health? It's like a way of life, in a, in a sense, because... We, it's what we eat, it's what we choose to eat, and when to eat, and how, how we eat, how it can affect our bodies, you know, obviously depending on what we eat. When we study nutrition, our main focus is our relationship with food, so how, um, how we perceive food, and that, of course, comes into play of what the choices, of the food choices that we'll make. So if, for a lot of people who have unhealthy relationships with, with food, um, it can lead to, you know, just by seeing food as like an enemy or what have you, it can lead to things like psychological disorders. And so in nutrition, we want, you know, we want to kind of break from that and really bring people to have a healthy relationship for, once again and um, look for more for long term benefits and making good choices that will create good habits later on. And, you know, instead of like instant results, it's better for us to make good choices so that our future, our, uh, our lifestyle later on will be, will be good and healthy and strong. What are some examples when you were a nutritionist where you saw bad eating habits or eating a relationship with food? What are some of the signs? Uh, well, one of our main things is to make sure we're, we're very balanced and um, portion control. I think it's hard, especially uh, in America, uh, we see the portion sizes nowadays are are much larger than before. So it kind of tricks us into thinking, oh, this is probably how much we should be eating. And different factors, like if we're eating out with friends and restaurants have big portions, things like that, we'll tend to eat all those big portions and not realize like, oh, maybe we're already full and maybe, you know, we, we might not need as much. But, you know, when you're in a social setting too, that, that comes into play. Definitely. I'd like to expand on that. June. In those family settings, those social settings where you're kind of pressured, oh no, you should eat more. Have you eaten already? For whatever culture you may be in, I guess that would be a common theme that when you get together with your family members, the expectation is that the amount of food that you should be eating should be in proportion to the amount of food that was prepared. Do you have any kind of thoughts to that and, and how maybe some of those social settings maybe pressured you to kind of, you know what, this is okay. I should probably be eating a lot more than I should be. Me personally... I noticed, especially in retrospect, that any time that there was an abundance of food, like especially at family parties or any other social gatherings, um, if it's available, then I should eat it or like I, I can get more because there's food available. And so even if I was physically full already, then I'd keep eating because I like the taste or um, and so it wasn't really healthy relationship with food that I developed. Brother Rishi, anything to add? Having a good relationship with food, understanding how things were set up. Because if we're, if we're going to use the scriptural guidelines, right, how things were set up so that uh, everything would go well for us. Sometimes it really is our own maybe misunderstanding 
of uh, what that re good relationship is. And that's where the problem comes about. And uh, Lauren said diet is not just being on a diet. Diet is you eating. Like, what is it that you eat? Many people use this as a barometer of what they're going to eat. Whatever tastes good. And sometimes that's it. That's the only rule that they have. That's something that we have to be careful about, right? Because not everything that tastes good is good for us. So again, we need to make sure that we keep ourselves free from every, from every fault. So it is going to be incumbent on us who want to learn. Again, I, I go back to you know, what was mentioned. You need to be aware. You can't just straight follow the crowd, follow what everyone else is doing. You need to make sure that you're aware of yourself, of what you're doing, so that you actually have a, a control of yourself, of your life, to make sure that you are following those instructions given to us by God. Definitely. And before we recorded this podcast, I was listening to other podcasts that were talking about body image. And this one woman who was doing a podcast, was she's very healthy. She lives a healthy lifestyle. She eats very healthy. But she had an issue because for whatever reason, no matter how healthy she ate, no matter how much she worked out, she couldn't get the kind of abs that she wanted. She was just super stressed out and she's an influencer. And so she felt even a lot of the comments, people were kind of making fun of her like you're somebody who preaches, you know, to be healthy and, you know, live a, a healthy lifestyle, but you have like a, a flabby stomach. So she was really bogged down by that. And then she actually decided to do a 23andMe which is where they take your, your uh, saliva and then they give you your genetic readout to kind of give you not only your ancestry, but what some of your genetic proclivities are when it comes to your body. They found that genetically, just for her body type and just how all of her genes have passed down, she's likely to have 5 to 10% more body fat in that region of her body. So even if her and somebody else in her same family or somebody close to her family or a friend of hers who lived the exact same lifestyle, who ate the exact same food and worked out the exact same time, she's just genetically supposed to have that much more body fat just in that part of her body. So it's exactly to what you were reading, Brother Richie, was that like, we're going to try and do all of these things to look a certain way. But aside from being healthy, both mind, body, and in your diet, if this is how God made you, that, that's how God made you. We're all going to have different genetics and we're all going to respond differently to different lifestyles. That's really interesting, you know, that when they scientifically search and say that you're more prone to have this much body fat, th that just goes to show that we're all unique. Like we're all, we all have our differences and to try to make ourselves all look the same would not be natural, all right? The one thing that we do want to do, all of us want to do, is to make sure that we are living the right way. We are living the way that the one that created us planned us to live. So that's where we focus on. Instead of trying to compete in the competition that we made up ourselves, we just focus on what God instructs, what he intends. I'd like to bring the topic of the keto diet at least once. And, and I want to preface this talking point. I know some of you might be smiling. Some of you might have done it or are doing it. Some of you might not be doing it. But I want to preface this by saying we're not here to, to say it's wrong or that it's right or that if you're doing it, you're, you're doing it wrong. Or if you're doing it, you're doing it right. I'd like to get just a, the panel reaction. I'll start with Lauren. What are some of the things that you've heard about the diet? How does it differ from other diets? And um, what are some of the, you know, positive things and maybe some things that maybe not a lot of people know about? I hope I don't offend anyone, but it's kind of ironic only because what I studied in school, and it, you can even ask other nutrition students, we don't want people going on the keto diet just because the keto diet comes from the word like ketosis. Um, I'm sure um, those that have done keto diet know what that word means. And 
it doesn't even mention it in our textbooks. Our textbooks will actually say that we don't want patients or clients going into ketosis. I think it was meant for those with epilepsy, right? Like that was where the diet originated from? Yes. And and that's what uh, would help them, uh, those that do have epileptic seizures. But for, you know, the general public in general, good condition, I guess. We try not to recommend, I guess, the keto diet, I'm sorry. And only because the diet basis itself is to go very low into the carbohydrate. I think one of the big things that we learned too is our brain alone, like the brain, what it functions on, what it runs on is carbohydrates as its main source of energy. And it needs at least 35 grams a day to function properly, I guess, right? But I know with the keto diet, I've heard it that in just one day, you can go as low as like 20, which is lower than what your brain needs. So I, I guess from like a nutrition standpoint, at least like from what we learned, it, it's kind of crazy how like diets even come up, like fad diets and all that kind of stuff. It, it's funny because even though we say, you know, like keto diet or like all those diets, one thing is that we're not saying that it doesn't work and it might actually work, right? People might lose weight like fast, but uh, like what we mentioned earlier uh, with nutrition, we want people to build good choices and build good relationships with food so that later on, you know, they don't have any other health problems in the future, that they'll have a, a good long term. Dr. Darwin, has it exploded that, that that particular diet in the UK as much as it has in, in North America? I think it's what's striking is the is the huge range of diets that uh, that have exploded. I mean, keep, yeah, the keto diet is, is pretty big here. But then you've got all sorts of other intermittent fasting. You've got the 16-8, the 5-2, the, all of these things. And what, what strikes me is the lengths people go to to look a certain way. I was just talking to a friend and we were just commenting on people go to the gym primarily to change the way they look, not to become physically healthier. Right. And, uh, and you'd mentioned uh, in our previous conversations that sometimes dieting will lead to extreme dieting or certain types of, of either binge dieting or binge working out. Can you kind of talk to us about these extremes that, that some of these types of ways of life can maybe lead to? I mean, it's, it's probably useful to kind of contextualize some of the reasons why people have such an unhealthy relationship with, with food. And certainly what I've come across is people who, who find it difficult to have, a, to have positive thoughts and feelings about their bodies usually have come from some sort of traumatic or really negative experience as a result of um, their bodies. You often hear of people being bullied and victimized about the way they look. So in such cases, it's fear, what well, their drive to maintain a particular body image. So if, if you've experienced you know, really negative treatment or even being bullied because of your body it, it becomes a you know matter of life and death for some people to look a certain way i'm sure you've come across in the gym you know people who are there you always see them there so there's actually a thing of going to the gym too much oh absolutely you know you've got people who obsessively exercise who eat feel guilty or threatened and they will try to exercise those calories away some people smoke specifically to kind of maximize their their weight loss and minimize their weight gain and of course we've got the big topic of um, the use of anabolic steroids to maintain a particular body image in spite of knowing in you know, the potential risk to our physical physical health 
definitely. Really? I just want to put some more uh, context over with Darwin. 50% of girls, 25% of boys think that their peers have body image problems. Between one-third to one-half of young girls fear becoming fat and engage in dieting or binge eating. Girls as young as five years old are worried about how they look, like what Allison was referencing earlier in terms of the difference in sizes of clothes. One in four seven-year-old girls have tried to lose weight at least once. One-third of young boys aged eight to 12 are dieting to lose weight. Evidence shows that they're pursuing activities of like what Dr. Darwin said, obsessive exercise, smoking to manage weight, obsessive dieting, and the use of anabolic steroids. Has this been going on for a while now, Dr. Darwin? You know, as Brother Richie mentioned, um, the huge kind of influx of social media, it's, it's highlighting the lengths people go to to maintain a certain body image. And, and what's quite sad is that uh, we're all striving to reach the unattainable, but we're overlooking our positive qualities. We're, we're, we're overlooking, uh, you know, the things that actually will make our lives worth living or more meaningful. We're just focused on the very superficial. Allison, you were shaking your head when, when Lauren was talking about diets and smiling a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about why and, what, and some of your personal experiences with regards to changing up the way that you eat and maybe your lifestyle? I was just like totally, honestly, I was agreeing with her <laughs> because um, I did do the keto diet and it did work for me. And it was probably the only thing that really, over the years, especially like with sports and everything, I really tried my hardest to do whatever I could to be healthy, to get in shape for, you know, volleyball season or whatever it was. And I could never get it. And finally, like I did keto and it actually worked for me after so many years of trying. It was the only one that worked for me. But um, I understand what she was saying. Like if you read up on it, it, it's a pretty skeptical diet. Like why consume all this fat that will, you know, raise your cholesterol and all, and all these other bad side effects. If anything, I don't do keto anymore, but if anything, the diet when I got out of it was definitely self-discipline. Because I thought I didn't have a great relationship with food. Carbs were always my enemy because I love them so much. Because in many times I thought they were like my best friend. And then other times I would think they were my enemy. And I just, I didn't want to eat them anymore. And I just felt so guilty every time I did eat it. So that's when I really developed. I was like, wow, okay, maybe my relationship with food isn't great. Uh, it was also because my when my skin was really, really bad, dermatologists would tell me, it's like, maybe it's your diet. It's, it could be the carbs that you're eating because of all the sugars and all this stuff. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to deal with carbs for the purpose of my weight, but also my acne. And yeah, when I did the keto diet, my skin was super clear. I lost weight like almost instantly. It allowed me to, you know, love food to an extent to where it wasn't dangerous for me, but to where I could appreciate it more later on. And trust me, after I did keto for like how many months, cars are like the love of my life. Right into that life. brioche donut. Right. <laughs> right. <into it. laughs> now, I want to give the final word to, to Brother Richie before we move on from this topic of diet. But I do want to hear from June because we haven't heard his, his backstory as to what prompted him to, to change his diet. And did you do keto or what exactly did you do to lose all of that weight? And, and what kind of made you feel like, man, I need to change the way I look? Okay, so for me personally, um, I didn't do keto or any uh, specific diet, quote unquote. So growing up, I'd, I'd been pretty heavy set, And as I mentioned earlier, I, I don't think I really acknowledged that there was a problem with my health. But I did realize that 
I didn't like how I, I looked in pictures or anything, or I would come up with like coping mechanisms. Like I, I'd try to hide in the back of pictures or I'd try to uh, like minimize how much space I was taking up because I was very self-conscious, especially as a male, like there's that expectation, especially in adolescence, you're strong or everyone's competing. Like, oh, how, how strong am I? Or like, how do I look? And I did not match what that typical expectation was. Instead of confronting those feelings, I, I, I guess I denied that there was an issue and I just continued what I was doing uh, blissfully unaware, I guess. And then it got to the point where I got tired of feeling tired all the time. Like my best friend, he, he had always encouraged me to try and improve my health and make lifestyle changes, but I didn't seriously consider it until 2018, like early last year, um, when I, I thought to myself like, okay, I don't, I don't like how I looked and I really need to do something about this. So he, he gave me some primers on how and what to eat. I didn't realize that I was like eating so much more food than I needed. And he also got me into working out and exercising regularly. So he helped me structure um, some workouts and get used to going to the gym. And it just continued from there. When you said you're tired of being tired, can you walk us through what that was like? What were you doing where you were just like, man, why am I so tired all of a sudden? Yeah, I hadn't, like I say, I wouldn't do anything strenuous or anything that required a lot of exertion of energy, but I, I realized that I didn't have much energy to begin with. Right, right. Brother Richie, he said, uh, yes, you know, his whole life, he's always been pretty heavy set. When you saw the change in, in your cousin that, oh man, this guy has dropped a lot of weight. He's looking great. You know, what did you think? Wow. No, seriously, it was, it was great. What I liked was he didn't like the way that he looked. It's not that somebody was telling him, you know, this or, or that. He's the one that didn't like how he looked. And he did something about it. And what's important is what you do about it, number one, you have to be more aware. You learn about it. If you want to change, like, what is it that I have to do to change? Uh, we mentioned diets, right? There's a lot of people that they want instant results. So uh, if someone tells them something, they'll do it, not really knowing what is it going to do. You mentioned the keto diet, and it is, uh, it's hard for, for us to preach anything that's not in the Bible. So uh, it's hard for us to preach the keto diet. It's hard for us to preach don't do the keto diet. What is something that we know very well uh, is that we have to be self-controlled, right? There might be there might be people that benefit from the keto diet. There might be some people that don't benefit from the keto diet. And that's why we said everyone is unique. Everyone is an individual. That's why everyone has to do what uh, what they can to see how they can better their own situation. If we're talking about uh, the way we feel, the way we think psychologically about the image, what June mentioned also is working out, right, and training. So is that something that we can preach? Is that something that we could say physically, one should physically train or exercise? Allow me to read. We'll uh, reference what's recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll read verse 8. It says, for physical training is of some value. So yes, we can actually say physical training is good for you. It's something if, it, if you want to stay healthy, if you want to stay strong, but well, we know how the physical body works, right? It will not get stronger if it has no reason to. If you don't, you don't exert any stress or any sort of tension, it has no reason to get stronger. If you want it to get stronger, it says, well, then you do some physical training. Now, if you're going to do physical training that is effective, what does the Bible teach us? We'll read here in 1 Corinthians 9, 25. It says, now every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined 
and exercises self-control in all things. That is something that across the board, everyone can benefit from. So in everything, we should be self-controlled. We should be disciplined. When it comes to our food, we should be self-controlled and disciplined. When it comes to our physical fitness, we should do, we should do the same. We should make sure that our whole being is free from fault. Now, many of the problems come about because, as we've mentioned throughout our discussion, there are things that people come up with on their own, right? They have a, a competition, uh, they want to look a certain way, and uh, you can see losing control can go on the two different extremes. One doesn't have the right diet or exercise, or they go too far the other way, and they get obsessed you know, with, with those things. What is it that we can uh, use as a guide that comes from the Bible? We'll read Galatians chapter 5. We'll read here in verse 19. And then we'll even read 21. It says, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Right? So it's just a way that, that you've come up with, and then you're just going to, you're just going to want that way. It says uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. It might even lead into addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. And this is even the worst because Apostle Paul is actually giving this warning. He said, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. That is the worst. Of all. So we need to make sure we are at the very basic uh, lesson that we can learn. Be self-controlled in what we do. You know, we want to have that good feeling about ourselves, about the image that we have. Be self-controlled, be disciplined, you know, in every aspect of our life. You know, not only physically, but even mental health, spiritual health, you know, physical health. And if that is how we're going to live, then that is how we're going to be happy. Knowing and understanding that that is the way that God has instructed us to be. Now, Brother Richie, um, an element of that too is, is finding time. And I don't know if there's any profession really that's more time-consuming or more important really than being a minister of the gospel, but you find time to do these things. Is there any tips for our listeners? You may have a schedule that's super busy. You may have nine different jobs. You have to go to school, all that stuff. But how are you able to find time to not only, you know, take care of your body, but also your diet and the way that you live your life? You know, it, when, when we all understand these things, it's something that we do not just for um, like a short period of time. It's not something that we do for a while until we get a result. And then uh, if we let go, then we'll find ourselves back where we were in the first place. If it actually just becomes a lifestyle, being self-controlled, being disciplined, making sure that we are aware of what we're putting in our body, how we use our body, how we like naturally tend on, on thinking and making sure that we are controlled that way, then it's it really just becomes not something that you're fitting into your schedule. It's something that just becomes Part of your life. And that's what we hope for, you know, uh, anyone that is listening that can get something from what they're hearing. It, it's hard because we don't know everybody's situation. So we can't give very specific details. You should eat this or you should work out like this. But what we can do is say for everyone, just careful, make sure that you are living that life free from fault. The, really the best way to learn those instructions is learn more about what is actually written in the Bible. Definitely. I think that's a very important point. I just want to go to Dr. Darwin before we close is that 
you know, people who are listening who are not members of the Church of Christ yet, they might think, yeah, definitely what Lauren was talking about, about nutrition makes perfect sense. You know, and what we're talking about, about mental health and awareness and, and certain relationships that we have with ourselves and food. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I was doing some studies or reading some studies, doing some research before we did this podcast. And, and another thing that a lot of experts pointed to was positive affirmations and mindfulness and how that type of relationship with oneself that could be definitely linked to, you know, a type of spiritual way of life has really strong positive effects on someone's way of life, not only on their body image, but how they perceive themselves and how they take care of themselves. So when you hear Brother Richie reading those verses that perfectly kind of wrote a narrative to how we address mind, body, and soul of how we should live our life as as a, a doctor and a profession in, in psychology, you know, what role, the important role, what role does the spirituality and that mindfulness play in, in having a positive body image and way of life? I think uh, just repeating again what Brother Richie mentioned about the theme that cuts across this whole discussion about awareness. You know, when you think about mindfulness, what the, the main theme of mindfulness is to be aware and to be aware in the present moment of, you know, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and to, you know, just question what it is that you're doing and to kind of evaluate yourself. The only way really you can make a good choice is by being aware of what's going on around you. And I think from there you can take action to, to change things. But without that awareness, you, you're lost, really. And that combination of mindfulness and awareness, but also a foundation in the scripture. Um, we're so very thankful that everybody joined us on this panel. Brother Richie, you know, uh, the church is continually tackling some of these topics that the world we know is is, is trying to, to face these challenges. Depression, and now we're talking about uh, mental health in, with regards to our body image, you know. What does that say about the church, knowing that whether you're a member of the church or of Christ or not, these kind of programs, these kind of platforms, what is our purpose? What exactly are we trying to do? Well, first of all, it helps everyone that might know us that the way that we live really is by following, you know, what's written in the Bible. For those that don't know us, but they are struggling with certain problems, you know, we also want to share that the solutions to those problems, and there are people that struggle with problems and they've tried everything. Well, the solution really is learning, being aware, being mindful of how you were intended to live, right? So if you get, if you're able to learn from the one that created us, and then you follow uh, those instructions, the changes, sometimes people will describe them as miraculous, you know? So we, we want to just share that. We're, we're not, we can't force anyone to believe anything or, or accept anything, but we do want to share what our, our beliefs are and how how we're able to overcome the challenges that everybody is facing in life. Well, you want to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Darwin, to Lauren, to Allison, and June. And of course, very special thanks to Brother Richie. And of course, all of our listeners, you know, please follow us on our Instagram at INC Media News, hashtag Heart and Soul Conversations to stay up to date. You know, a lot of how we write our episodes and how we kind of get a feel for what our audience is going through is through our social media. And that's how we're able to engage and interact um, with all of you. So that's it from us today. We hope that you were able to, you know, learn something from us, from what we were able to share. Hope we were able to help and uh, hope that you'll join us next time on Heart and Soul. Take care. And don't forget to subscribe to Heart and Soul, available now on iTunes and Google Podcasts.